You're listening to Talcott from the Satori Lab, the podcast for people working to create excellent public services. I'm Ben Proctor. This week, Luke Piper from our data team published a report into the use of local government websites in southwest England. You can find that report at thesatorilab.com slash localgovweb. For this podcast, we, Luke and I wanted to talk through some of the key findings with someone who knows a lot about public services, data, and the southwest of England. And we're delighted that Catherine Rooney from DLib agreed to join us. So we started off by asking Catherine to introduce herself. Well, Scylla. Um, so I'm Catherine. Currently, I work at Delib, which is uh, a digital democracy company. So we're a small company based in Bristol. Uh, we basically provide engagement and consultation software for governments. Um, almost all of our customers are kind of local or central gov uh, in the UK, but also Republic of Ireland, Australia and New Zealand. So I'm an account manager. I spend a lot of time uh, talking to people at councils who are uh, using our stuff to to do interesting things. I also come to this conversation from the perspective of uh, someone who's very interested in open data. Previously to being at Delib, I was at Bristol City Council doing kind of open data stuff. And I'm involved with Bristol Open Data, which is a community group. And sometimes I have helped organise Open Data Camp, which is a really fantastic unconference for the uh, open data community. So that's me. Excellent. Uh, I'm a big fan of Open uh, Open Data Camp, and I thank yes. you for organising it. <laughs> I, I do very little. It's an amazing kind of big group of people, but um, it's a great thing to be involved with. It's a really positive uh, place, isn't it, Open Data Camp? Um, uh, and I just, uh, it only occurred to me briefly, I was a customer of DLib, or at least the council I worked for yeah. was a customer of DLib, mm-hmm. uh, about 15 years ago. Uh-huh. So they've been around for a while. They have. We we um we like to think we kind of behave like a startup, and we still are very small. There's like 25 people in total. But yeah, Delib has been around for a long time, doing uh, mostly kind of digital consultation stuff and engagement stuff. It exists to kind of try and bridge that gap between the people and um, people in government who are making decisions on behalf of those people. Um, but yeah, we've got about 120 now customers um, around the world. Uh, so as a way into this discussion, I'm going to ask Luke to, uh, so Luke has, I, I also ought to explain when we're recording this, we haven't actually totally finished the report. So we sent, uh, or we shared a draft version of the report with Catherine on Friday. And then this morning I sent her a note saying, um, we've noticed a problem with one of the council's data, uh, ignore that. Um, but we have now fixed that, and the person in the uh, frame for all of this is Luke. Um, so uh, take us through what you've actually done to gather the data, analyze it, all that stuff. Uh, hello, yeah, so thanks for that, Ben. I am uh, Luke Piper. I am a business analyst at the Satori Lab, and one of the projects uh, I'm involved with at Satori is the uh, uh, collection and compilation of uh, website analytics data across Great Britain and Ben will always uh, argue that we should also include Northern Ireland in this uh, but we haven't got to that point yet. Um, so one of the problems we've realized is because all, all this data is uh, compartmentalized it's all hidden away uh, we, we don't really know what what's good in terms of website usage in terms of website uh, behavior so by bringing it all into the uh, into the limelight, we're basically trying to find out what's what's normal uh, and what councils could possibly do to improve their services 
uh, and compare with each other. Uh, and so this uh, Southwest report, we didn't gather exactly the same things as we did in Wales. What was different? No, uh, as we learnt uh, from uh, trial and error, uh, we realised that there are uh, other sets of data that are locked away, which are probably uh, and definitely more uh, exciting and more detailed. Uh, so we asked, uh, this, uh, the first batch in Wales, we asked for basic data, so device usage, uh, the number of visits to the website, uh, and other things of that nature. Uh, and then uh, now we've now moved into the Southwest and what we're doing is we're looking at uh, more detailed stuff like uh, days of the data, uh, of sessions, uh, visits per day of the week, uh, lots of uh, data around channels and uh, how people arrive at websites uh, and also um, whether or not uh, websites are using uh, events tracking and goal completion data. Okay, uh, that's great. And now uh, we forced Catherine to read uh, this draft report. Uh, and then uh, I sent her a quick rundown and said, we'll then ask you for your, um, to identify something that really leapt out of the report, which mm -hmm. kind of assumes that anything leapt out of the report at all. Have you found anything of interest in this report? I found a, a great deal of things of interest, actually. I found it really, really interesting. I think um, the things that leapt out, so in the report, there's a comparison from 2015 when a similar activity was done uh, to 2018. Um, I think one of the things that jumped out quite soon was the kind of, there's a summary of total visits to the websites um, or to the sites. And I felt like there, obviously there was an increase, which is to be expected, but I found that increase actually surprisingly low. Um, I think for the whole of the Southwest, it was something like 3 million more visits, if I remember correctly, um, which just for me, that, that was very interesting because that made me feel like I thought the increase would be larger. Uh, so I found that interesting. Uh, the other thing, um, not not surprisingly, but um, the increase to mobile access uh, is is not really a surprise to any of us. But I found the evidence of the pace of that shift to mobile really really interesting. I found it super interesting that it seems like a lot of that shift to mobile is coming from tablet use rather than PC. I found those two things kind of mostly interesting. They they both kind of spun off loads of other different questions in my mind about uh, kind of what does that mean, which I guess we'll, we'll dig into more. But those two things uh, at the outset were really interesting. Yeah, I think the, um, the, the total, the increase in visits, uh, that, that really jumped out at me as well. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and, um, and I think it's going to be fascinating as we work across the rest of the UK. So in Wales, so, so, the, so to try and standardise it, we, we often talk about visits per head. Yeah, population, and yep. so the visit, the increase in the southwest is 0.5 of a visit per head. Mm. Uh, whereas in Wales, we uh, had an increase of over two visits per head, um, and I think I was expecting it to be on a similar scale mm. in the southwest. Mm. And I think what will what will be really interesting to find as we move around the rest of the country is that it could be that the southwest is just on the sort of that there is a general increase, and the southwest just happens to be on the sort of low side. Or it might be that there isn't really an increase at all and that we're just seeing like Wales is a scatter on one side. And, mm. um, and then, uh, but yeah, e e either way, I, I think um, you have to kind of ask yourself why, what a, why uh, in the past three years mm. aren't you getting a lot more visits to websites? 
Yeah, I mean, I wondered, again, I, I came to this report uh, with a lot of presumptions, like always, and I kind of continued to make those presumptions throughout reading it, but I wondered whether or not Wales had come from a lower baseline, um, so had jumped up. Uh, similarly, you know, being in Bristol and being kind of urban young person, I think there was part of me that thought uh, maybe in the southwest there are some larger cities that, that may have started from a higher baseline, if you see what I mean. Um, but actually, I think they're presumptions. I don't think they're necessarily valuable presumptions. That's why this report was quite interesting, because there were a couple of things um, that further on in the report, there was some additional data which, which proved me wrong. So that was really interesting. What about you, Luke? What is, uh, you've had more time, a lot more time with this data. Um, anything that jumps out at you? Uh, I guess for me, there's a couple of things. So the first is um, a question we asked uh, about the analytics platform being used. So we took the position that, uh, especially in the 2015 results, that um, the majority of councils uh, in across the UK basically use Google Analytics to uh, analyze and track their data. But the trend, I guess, in the Southwest it shows over the last three years is that it's not a big trend, but it looks like it could become a bigger trend, uh, that people are, or councils are switching away from Google Analytics and to other providers. So what does this mean? Uh, it means that the market's probably going to look a bit different in the next three years. Uh, there might be other softwares out there, which, uh, again, might be able to do this stuff for us so we don't have to spend hours and hours manually asking everyone for their data. There might be a service which combines them all together and, I guess, show, shows the data like we are in our reports. Um, another thing that uh, jumped out is the daily visits trend. So I didn't really, because uh, I don't really use council websites that much, um, but it seems odd uh, when, when we do when we crunch the the data uh, that uh, basically Monday to Friday that's when people use council websites. It, there's a huge drop off going into the weekend where just where visits and uh, sessions just that aren't there. So uh, in my mind, I guess uh, same uh, with Catherine. I made a presumption before this that people are busy at work, people are working, people aren't necessarily looking for services account, uh, with their councils. But going into the weekend where they got a bit more free time and, uh, you know, chance to look into these things, uh, that's when they would be using it. But it doesn't seem to be that way. So, uh, yeah, so that surprised me. One thing that occurs to me that might be an explanation for um, two of those things. So one, that, that, that there is this big drop-off on weekends. Um, and also there is not the sort of dramatic increase in visits that we might have been expecting. And I wonder whether that represents a lot more stuff being done on social media. So, so we, we talk about this in a minute. We, we, we can see traffic coming from social media to council websites, but obviously quite a lot of stuff might just be being dealt with in social media platforms. So what do you think that's a... I had a different take on that, actually. Um, I mean, that's interesting. I think what I was thinking, and it was kind of related to my surprise at the relatively, what felt to me, small increase in, in usage. Um, I was wondering whether in, in recent years, uh, councils have become, in my experience, very much better at 
um, those small, quick web transactions on their websites. So maybe five years ago, if you wanted to report that your recycling hadn't have been collected, you might have to call. It might be like this hideous form. Whereas now, increasingly, you see, you know, on the homepage, report an issue, one click, what's your issue, it's my recycling. And, and there seems to have been a real increase in councils getting very good at bringing those kind of quick formulaic transactions online. And they, for me, are the kind of things that people would actually do uh, in the middle of the day if they're on their lunch break or if they're on the bus home or whatever, just that quick, oh, actually, I know I can do that in five minutes on my phone, click, 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 it's done. What I, I mean, and again, that's a presumption, I don't know. Um, the other thing I was interested in is to what extent have, has the audience for that kind of engagement with the website be, kind of reached its peak and actually thinking longer term, to what extent do councils need to think about trying to bring some of the more complex engagements online as well? And maybe that's, you know, again, I think that feeds into what can be easily done on mobile uh, versus some of the transactions with councils that actually you think, do you know what? I need to do that thing with the council, but I'm just going to wait till I'm home and the kids are in bed and I can spend half an hour on my PC doing it. When you say more complex transactions, what sort of thing are you thinking of? Well, so, I mean, obviously here at Delib, we work with councils um, on online consultation primarily or kind of online engagement. So a lot of statutory consultation that is, is happening online. One of our kind of l things that has puzzled us for a long time is how can planning consultations be better online? Because I think a lot of councils are getting really good at doing things like maybe their statutory uh, kind of annual budget consultations. Uh, but when you delve into planning applications, you often delve into, um, you know, it's a bit like being in a time machine, isn't it? Sometimes you're like, wow, my, my computer looked really modern. And now suddenly I'm in like 1998 and there's a 70-page PDF that I have to kind of read. So planning consultations, I think those kind of longer, longer transactions, um, things like kind of maybe engaging with the council about housing, getting your housing sorted, that kind of thing. It's one of the frustrating things about, um, about this, this work is we're, um, we're doing it via FOIs. We're very conscious that we don't want to overburden our colleagues in local government. So we ask for very small amounts of data. Um, and so, we, we, so the, the insights that we get are kind of tantalizing, but not the kind of detail. And I wonder if... Could, could you think of any alternative way in which local authorities could make it much easier for this sort of information to be... Well, <laughs> maybe they could publish this information, as, uh, this data as open data. I don't know. So let's, uh, let's just maybe, take a quick... Like the thing is, they still have to do the work, right? However, however they're publishing it, if they're just releasing it to you or if they're doing it as open data, unless there's some magic way to automate it, uh, which probably does exist, the engineers here would say... There's no such thing as magic. Software isn't magic, but you know what I mean. Um, unless there's some way to automate that data coming, which you suggested, uh, Luke, maybe there might be with different analytics platforms. Um, but I do think there'd be huge value of this being published as open data because I know working with local authorities, what they love more than anything else is examples of what, what are other councils doing? Like, how are they doing it? Are, you know, can we benchmark ourselves against 
X, Y, Z. So I think it would be super interesting to people like us who are interested in it, but I think actually the local authorities themselves would find real value from it. Uh, so there's a kind of presumption underpinning that, that everybody listening will know what open data is. Yes. You always, at Open Data Camp, you always pitch a session about a beginner's guide to open data. Yes. You're very good at explaining things. Well, thanks. So um, explain open data to us. Okay. So um, open data is, uh, in its very essence, uh, data that is published openly and made available to anyone who wishes to see it. Um, it can be, in its complete essence, uh, a CSV or an Excel spreadsheet, which just has the data it's usually published um, in a digital format um, and for um, the best kind of open data is subject to an open data license. So it's published openly and it's very made very clear to people looking at it um, how they can reuse it, how they can use it. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of open data out there actually. Um, the UK government has been actually kind of a, a, a world leader in it for some years, although um, maybe has fallen behind in the last few. Um, but there's uh, a website called data.gov.uk, uh, which people can look at, and there are literally millions of data sets on there of, of all sorts of things, basically. What I really, I don't know what your view on this would be, what I'd really like is the, the United States federal government uh, uses open web analytics, so that's an open source uh, alternative, which works in a very similar way, and they encourage all federal agencies to install that. So, um, so the data comes from all the federal agencies into the federal government, and then uh, can, the raw data can be published. One of the limitations of Google Analytics is um, you never get hold of the raw data. So you send all the raw data to Google, and then you get reports, really powerful, useful reports, but you don't get the raw data. And also, even though it's depersonalized data, it's very low-fidelity data, we are basically exporting the uh, UK citizens' data over to uh, Google in return. Like, you know, it's a trade-off. We're in return for a very powerful reporting engine. Luke, you mentioned a move to um, another alternative. And again, presumptions, I don't know. I wondered if in a post-GDPR world, some people in council teams were kind of twigging to the fact that um, the Google Analytics data is uh, shared uh, you know, outside of uh, the UK and with who knows who. You know, it's an irony for us because we sell to government all the time. And as probably is familiar to you, sometimes you have to go through a sort of 5,000-page contracting thing where you promise you're not going to let any of their data, you know, leave their secure server in the UK. Um, and then they just put Google Analytics on and you're like, why, why, why do you not question that? Like... I don't know. So I don't know who the um, competitor is that you alluded to, Luke, but I'd be really interested to, to know about that. Uh, so uh, one of the uh, competitors that we've uh, seen in the data is a switch to a service called Site Improve. Um, and uh, we've worked with the council on their web analytics stuff before. Uh, and essentially uh, what Site Improve does that Google Analytics doesn't do is the extra things around accessibility and uh, basically uh, validating whether page content is appropriate or is missing or links are broken and things like that. So it takes, I guess, the, the, the basis of uh, website analytics, but I guess uh, adds an extra layer on top to support council to our web teams and uh, 
uh, comms and other uh, other departments who are looking at this data. Uh, whereas Google Analytics uh, is is much more. It, it's just the raw kind of uh, basic kind of web web stats essentially. Um, interestingly, one of the things that we did find. Um, about the Google Analytics uh, usage uh, was that uh, most councils who have Google Analytics set up and running aren't particularly exploiting the best use of Google Analytics. So, for example, um, a big proportion of those councils haven't set up uh, website goal tracking. Now, that's uh, just basic kind of how are people using our website are they using it in the way that we think they should be or in other uh, objective kind of form formats like that um, and and just by not using this they they're not the councils aren't really understanding to, to the fullest extent uh, what 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 their users are doing so uh, and, and another thing would be events tracking um, it, it's a, a again another layer on top of Google Analytics say but uh, it basically gives a richer uh, picture of, again, how people are interacting with their websites. So, for example, uh, an event could be set up to track um, uh, a play and pause button on a YouTube embedded video on the website. Um, currently, the Google Analytics default option would not be able to track this, but adding that extra events layer on top of it, you'd get that richer detail and you'd get a better insight into how your website's being used. Okay. Uh, I feel like the three of us could talk about this forever, uh, but uh, Catherine probably has to go and do some work. Luke definitely has to go and do some work because we haven't actually finished the report that we're talking about. Uh, and I have to go and walk my dog. Um, so, That's the most important thing. Uh, so the, uh, the report, when you're listening to this, the report is now out. Uh, you can get hold of it at tutorialab.com slash localgovweb, or um, I'm sure if you just search in Google, you'll be able to find it there. Um, thank you very much for your time here, Catherine. Are there any, uh, any announcements, parish notices you might like to share with the listening audience? Um, here at Delib, we uh, run a series of events called the Practical Democracy Project. Um, again, travels around, so um, it's been in Manchester and London. It's basically usually like a lunchtime event, a couple of hours, um, and it's um, always a collection of really, really interesting speakers who are working primarily in government around trying to um, sort democracy out, which is definitely an issue at the moment. Uh, we're going to be in Glasgow in May, so if people want to find out about that, they could go to delib.net. Okay, so we definitely have to get this out before May. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, great to spend a bit of time with you talking about website stats. Who knew that they would be this interesting? Um, so uh, now everyone can unmute and say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. You have been listening to Talcott from the Satori Lab. In this edition, Catherine Rooney from DLib was talking to Luke Piper and myself, Ben Proctor, about local government website analytics. Catherine is also involved in organising Open Data Camp. The next camp is still in the planning, and check out OD Camp on Twitter for the latest news. Luke is also involved in organising GovCamp Cymru. This year, GovCamp Cymru takes place on the 20th of September in Cardiff. Check out GovCamp Cymru on Twitter for the latest news about that. The music was Render by Prism, and it was used under the Creative Commons license. A big thank you to everybody who shares their work under open licenses. 
We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast, data analytics, public services, or anything else. Talk to us on Twitter at the Satori Lab or visit thesatorilab.com to see all of the many ways there are of getting in touch with us. <laughs>